You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 233, 233 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by handsongloves.com, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have actress, we have Adam Black, who's a rock star, so we've got a lot of stars for you coming out, and the common denominator is that they love horses. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer back with me, Jen. Hi, how are you? We're back! You are. I'm excited. How was your trip? Good? Trip was great. We got to see lots and lots of fjords in Norway, and we wandered Mm -hmm. about Amsterdam in the Netherlands and had a lovely time, and now we're back and just making podcasts like crazy. Yeah, I bet. And Glenn's coming out here in just a week or so, so he's going to continue the Scandinavian tour. That's true. Because we've got Solvang, Solvang, the Danish capital of America. (laughs) That's right. And he's anticipating large amounts of baked goods. Yes. Cookies, Abel skeevers, those little pancakes. You're making me hungry. You're making me hungry. I know it's a bad time of the day to talk about these things. But but I'm excited. So everybody who's been living under a rock. Yes. The the movement, movement, which is a... Tell, tell us the 30-second, what is the movement? Oh, that's so hard. Okay, it's our sixth annual event. We call it really an experience, but the movement is built on the fact that Monty started 30 years ago a movement away from violence and training. And we also found that movement was essential, critical for both physical and mental health of horses. So everything that falls into that category we aim to experience over the years, and we change it up every year. Okay, so tell us uh, some of the clinicians and oh, or speakers and or folks so that are going to be there for this fun, one. So fun. So for those people who love the gentling and the the whole thing with the wild horse thing, we have right now on campus, we have eight different Mustangs that have all kinds of eight different stories. And so that's going to be part of it. For those people who love to see what we do with our off-the-track thoroughbreds and with horses in general, for the whole process of training the real green horse onto the ridden horse, we have that possibility too um, with Jamie and Monty working in the round pen. So that's Jamie Jennings of Horses in the Morning and also ASPCA's Trainer of the Year, of course. And she adopts out over a hundred OTTPs a year. So this is expertise, not only with Monty, but also with Jamie. Then for those people who love rock star country and Western music from Nashville, we've got Jared Rogerson coming through on a tour right now, and he's going to be on Friday night. So if you like community, you love horse women loving horses, that's a big part of it. Oh, if you like wine and cheese, it's also a big part of it. <laughs> and then on Saturday, well, there'll be some drinking. And then on Saturday, we've got um, more of the same. And we have, oh, and Friday, we also have Will Friday of the Masterson Method. And Will Friday is just a knockoff of Masterson. He, he tours with, and we'll have a Masterson clinic here in September too. So this will be like a taster, an hour with Will Friday, who's great. And um, we also have, oh, if you're interested in 
either working equitation, which has the garrocha pole and the obstacles and a little combination of dressage and some Spanish looking fun things that they do out there. That'll be fascinating. And then if you also love mountain trail riding, we have our obstacle course, our Mark Bolander um, obstacle course out here has 22 obstacles. Some move, some don't. And we'll keep the horses guessing about that (laughs) and keep them engaged. It's a lot of fun from the ground and in the saddle. How's that? Tons of stuff going on. Tons of stuff. So if somebody wants to either get a ticket to participate, uh, where do they go? They go to moniroberts.com. When you go to Monty Roberts, M-O-N-T-Y, roberts.com, you look across the top at the tabs and you see shop. And that's a good place to start. And then you go down to the bottom that says special events. And of course, we're a special event called The Movement. And click on there and the tickets are available. And we're trying to keep it intimate and small, but we're really... um, knocking on the doors of the locals right now too because we want them to see what we're doing here people have come from all over the world and seek out monty and what he's doing here in his concepts but sometimes you know how this is you're never a king in your own kingdom and sometimes people living next door think we're still just a thoroughbred starting facility and everything and we're not we've got tons of different kinds yeah yeah cool so go to com for special events at the top and our first guest on today's show beth bears you yeah. you might may be familiar with a sitcom that was on for a number of years called Two Broke Girls. Yeah. And one of my favorite parts about Two Broke Girls was Chestnut. Chestnut was yeah. her horse. And it it was very Mr. Ed-esque, the relationship. <laughs> I used to love it because it just it kind of reminds me of the whole Mr. Ed thing where he'd hang his head over the over the yeah. doorway. <laughs> and actress Beth Bears from Two Broke Girls is going to be on the show today. And she's going to talk a little bit about Chestnut how Chestnut got to be on the show, how Chestnut influenced her relationship with horses. And we're going to have Beth on right after we hear from our title sponsor, Hands On Gloves. Our title sponsor, Hands On Gloves, who support us and are our reason for being here, I actually have a little innovation that you were telling me about with Nigel. Yes, Nigel. This was inspired. I was watching some of the videos over on the Hands-On Gloves YouTube page. That's cool. Yeah. And it has great ideas for using your hands-on gloves if you ever want to spend a little time on YouTube. And who doesn't want to do that? In in the wintertime, Nigel does not get clipped because his hair coat doesn't really get very thick. And he lives out of doors. It's a, it's a very light winter coat, and that's a real struggle in the winter because you want to get deep down into the hair when you dry them off because what can happen is you can get rain rot yep. if the top of the hair dries before the skin does. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we've all used towels to dry our horses off. You scrape back and forth. But that's it, it doesn't get to the skin. It only, it only dries the top. It does. So... You take the old hands-on gloves, which you've got on anyway, because that's what you were using to scrub you your horse. You washed them with. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Just grab a towel, toss it on your horse, and you dry the horse using your gloved hand. And those little bumples on the gloves get down between the hairs and dry the skin off. It's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. And they love it. I mean, who doesn't like to be snuggled in a blankie? If you give them a good once-over with a towel and your hands-on yes. glove, then yep. when you do throw the cooler over top, you've, lo- you've fluffed up all that hair yes. so that it can allow the moisture from the skin to come up through. If the hair's mushed down flat, it's going to do its job of keeping things 
just the way they are. So exactly. grab yourself a pair of hands-on gloves from handsongloves.com or your local tack retailer. You can find them everywhere. They everywhere. come in lots of different sizes and colors. Yep. And give it a try for yourself. Beth Bears spent her early years on the East Coast, first in Pennsylvania, then Virginia, before moving with her family at the age of 15 to Marin County, just outside of San Francisco, where she studied drama, both at the high school and the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. And then she appeared in a number of plays and studied drama at UCLA School of Theater, my alma mater, film and television. That's in Los Angeles. She had a few one-off parts, and then she landed her breakthrough role as Carolyn Channing in Two Broke Girls. Well, welcome, Beth Bears. First time on Horsemanship Radio. I'm glad to have you. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I'm a big fan of this podcast and of all the work you do, Debbie. And I am just honored and kind of geeking out. I've done a lot of like acting podcast, but yeah. I've never gotten to be on a horse podcast, which is <gasps> way cooler, in my opinion. <laughs> much more fun. It's much more fun. Well, I don't know what your other podcasts were, but we're going to have some fun talking horses. And I'm glad to get you diverted off, you know, I mean, those boring things like Disney and TV shows and all that. But that aside, <laughs> we all know where the heart lies and it's with horses. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about today, too. I saw a little um, clip of um, Max and Chestnut saying goodbye, and it was a scene in Two Broke Girls, I think season one. You guys look so young, too. I mean, you still look like you're 16, first of all. Oh, my God. It's so long ago in my head. I'm like, my gosh. I bet. I bet this history just whizzes by, and and you just had a baby this last year. First, before we talk horses, because it's so new in your family, tell me how it is to have a new baby in the house. Well, it's amazing. We really went through the ringer to get her here. And so it's just the biggest blessing in our lives. Her name's Emma George. She's turning one tomorrow, which is crazy. Um, And she, when she was, I think, Four days old or three days old was her first time ever meeting our horses. We Mm. took her right away. And I just, she was, you know, sitting on them by the time she could stand, sit up. And we're just, uh, we're both such lovers of nature and horses. And we've already started sort of (laughs) instilling it in her. And she, uh, she tends to sit on the horse and do the hips to go faster and faster. Now she learned what a trot is. So I think we've got either maybe a a little, uh, daredevil. You know, there's a lot of parallels between motherhood and horsemanship. I'm realizing is that right? starting to have a toddler. Yeah. Like that. Tell me, tell me. Gentle horsemanship and gentle parenting, you know, giving choices, staying grounded and present and non-reactive. Those sorts of, you know, gentle horsemanship techniques that have really, I feel like, come into play for both me and my husband, Michael, in, in our parenting strategies now that she's about to be one and has definitely started to assert herself and her personality is very strong-willed. So. It's funny, too, right? I mean, you do have to... Day in the lead. <laughs> the only yes, thing I can exactly. think of. Like yes. we always say with horses, he who moves the feet, you know, is the leader uh, or is wins. The leader. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And it, it is that way with kids. You have to be a benevolent dictator, is what it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I love that, though, that you compare parenthood to taking care of our horses because it is one of those jobs for life. We have the horse for as long as we possibly can. And um, so tell us about your horses. Oh, gosh. So, well, like we were saying uh, before, I, I, I always grew up like reading all the Saddle Club books and mm. I read Misty of Chincoteague and mm. my grandparents took me to see the wild horses on Chincoteague Island and I have photos of that and it's a very like vivid memory. So I know I always loved horses, but it wasn't until the pilot of Two Broke Girls, I don't know if people remember, but at the end of the pilot, me and Kat Dennings, who played Max, we sit on my horse, my character's horse. And it was my first time really ever riding a horse. And I was at first really scared because you're in a set with a lot of people and cameras. And it was a big thoroughbred, you know, chestnut. Uh, and, and I was really nervous, but it, um, as the years went on working with the horse every day on set and getting to know the horse trainer, I would start going and hanging out with the horse who played chestnut on the show that we had to, uh, Rocky, passed away, but, but, um, he was with us for the first three years and I would go ride on the weekends and I noticed my anxiety was so much less when the horse was around on set. And so I discovered, um, equine therapy, actually one of the co-creators of Super Girls, Whitney Cummings introduced me to an equine therapist named Cassandra Ogier and I started going and within a month of working with her, I decided I wanted to rescue a horse after knowing nothing, um, really, (laughs) other than that my heart was fully taken by them. And I talked to the ASPCA and rescued my horse, Belle, from Blue Apple Ranch down in uh, San Diego, which is a great horse rescue. And she's my soulmate. I always say who rescued who because Mm -hmm. I feel like my entire life changed with her. So I have her. She's a paint mare. She's half BLM. We don't know much other than she was rescued from a domestic violence situation with her mother on Christmas. Her mom's name is Jingle and her name is Belle. So her mother had the BLM brand. So we think half Porter, half Mustang. And she's hilarious and silly and wonderful. And then my husband, a couple of years ago, rescued a Percheron mare named Rosie, who is like Lord of the Rings should be in a movie star horse. So beautiful. <laughs> Huge and beautiful uh, and black. Yes. So those are two. And then I recently actually sold a pony with my dear friend, Sarah Maslinier and Jesse Lockery that we trained. Her name was Gigi and I miss her, but mm-hmm. she's living her best life with her new little girl owner in Pennsylvania. So oh, perfect. Yeah. Those are sort of the, uh, the horses that I, that I, that I've owned in my life and that I still own and that are the best parts of my life. (laughs) Yeah. The best parts of your life. That's so cool. And I love that you, um, you're still educating yourself on horses too. So I don't know if that was the beginning of your blossoming of education or if this has sort of been a process your whole life, but I'm so glad that you came, you came up for the horsemanship 101 with Sarah and Jesse that you just mentioned too. And uh, tell me about that. Tell me what motivated you guys. And maybe it was a girlfriend's weekend and that was it, but <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely part of it, but really it was horsemanship 101 and Monty. So your, your beautiful, lovely father, we both, well, all of us and, and me included, I, when I first got into horsemanship, I learned uh, bareback bitless 
on the ground first and completely yeah. would hop on and go on trails in Topanga without knowing nothing. And You're Bell crazy. Was a, a spooky <laughs> rescue who would, I would fall off of many a weekend and I realized, you know, oh. I'm a physical comedian actress. Maybe I should start to learn <laughs> a little bit more as opposed to just hopping on. Um, Slapstick. But yeah. I really liked that I had sort of the beginnings of a relationship that was mm. completely gentle and um, mostly on the ground and groundwork. And so I'd always read about Monty. I read his books. I knew everything about join up that I could from the education you guys have available, which is wonderful. But to meet him was a bucket list dream of mine. And I told Sarah, our dear friend, Sarah, that, and she reached out to you and said, we want to come. And then we got to spend that weekend with you guys learning. I learned so much at Horsemanship 101. Oh my gosh. And just so much about life. Like we talked about, I just feel like there's just so many parallels, even just doing a join up. And I think that's why, you know, I know you guys also do join up as part of equine therapy programs, but there's so much to learn about grounding and being in our bodies and connecting with these incredible beings who live in the present moment because of their, you know, their prey animals and they have to, to survive. And I just love the parallels between the horse and human healing relationship. And obviously Monty's nonviolent, you know, groundbreaking approach, learning from the master himself was (laughs) bucket list for me. That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad that Sarah, um, mentioned that too because you know she she did write about the baby deer benediction in her book horse crazy and she didn't set out to do that which was kind of fun and uh, we have her in a podcast that people can do a little search on and find that story because it's wonderful but she set out to just you know ask monty about horses and ended up with a whole chapter in her book about a deer which is kind of cute. my favorite chapter in her book which is Aww. just so beautiful it's yes nice. well the flight animal and pain it just it never ceases to amaze me that people would think that that's actually a way to be successful it doesn't work <laughs> and so i'm sure people are coming around to it it's like temple Grandin told this one she said, well, it starts off as, oh, that's not true. And then it starts, and then it, it morphs into another decade down the road or whatever, it morphs into, um, well, everybody kind of knows that, but, and then it's finally, well, I've always done it that way. What do you think? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that is absolutely the trajectory. And it's true, <laughs> that's right? a beautiful yeah. way of explaining it. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I think that's what we'll eventually come to. And that's what dad works on for that critical mass. But you've been a big part of you have a platform, Beth, and that's really a cool thing to have. Just like Sarah has writing and books, you have a medium that probably is even more pervasive than that. It's powerful. And I love that in that episode, Max actually, character, actually <laughs> gets therapy from Chestnut, but you guys say it out loud. And it's pretty cool. Did you have anything to do with that or did that just come from the wonderful script writers or? I wish I had something to do with that. That was the beginning of my journey with horses, too. Uh No, that was in the script. And probably Whitney Cummings, who I mentioned, who's a co-creator of the show, she grew up a horse girl and Uh still is a horse girl. We have horses at the same barn and is very much into the healing element of horses as well. Uh So, yeah, I mean, to have a platform to be able to even, you know, help post about a rescue horse that needs help or fundraising. I'm just so grateful that 
I have that platform and that opportunity. And I truly, I have, you know, the goal of being a wonderful mother and an actor, but I really also have this goal of wanting to be a wonderful horsewoman. And so I really feel like as I enter my late thirties and into like (laughs) this next chapter of my life, I, I, I think that the best thing I can do for my daughter and my family and for my acting is to become a better horsewoman. Makes because you I real. feel like it makes you, yeah, yeah, it makes you a better person. Mm, that's so, so many nice. Ways. Yeah, in so many ways. And and the physiology, too. I mean, you and I were talking yeah. about the breathing and how much it does, not just, you know, mentally, everybody knows that just being around, you know, a hugger, and the horses really are kind of huggers, yeah. is wonderful. But there's something about the flight animal that is super precious, that even more than a carnivore, a dog, you know, um, they just don't have to fake it. Horses don't have to fake it at all. And I love that. It, we we got you out. We Well, we did obstacles first in the arena, which was really yeah. fun in the covered arena. You did Real so fun. good. You're so tiny. <laughs> Thank you. And you had as big off-the-track thoroughbreds for you, probably, I, I don't know. know, 16 hands or so we had over there. That was my first time working with a thoroughbred because I've, I've worked with, obviously, our Percherons and a lot of quarter horses at the barn where I am, but I had never experienced the just the go and the strength of an mm-hmm. off the track. I mean, obviously it makes sense off the track. They're, they're strong animals, but yeah. um, that was really empowering for me to be able to connect with a horse that strong. Big. Yeah. And then you brave soul. We won't tell your husband or your daughter in the future, <laughs> uh, but you went out to the mountain trail and, and did a little did. dancing around there too, didn't you? I did, and I still have the boots that are covered in the water that I walked in to show the horse that the water wouldn't scare him, that it was safe. Because I'm like, if if I'm going to tell him it's safe, I got to prove to him that it really is. So I know the other day I was like, what's that smell in my car? Like, I've opened the window, and then I realized, oh, my gosh. I, I keep barn boots, obviously, in the back of my oh, yeah. trunk, like most people do. But my boots had um, <laughs> they had definitely not dried out fully. So now the smell is gone, thank goodness, and they are fully dry in the sun. And yeah. I can put them back in my car. But yeah, because most husband yeah. sinks were crazy when we we put you know saddle pads in the back seat or whatever, oh. and like, ah, oh, I love that. And they go, ooh, what? But they boots, hate it. I know, I love the yeah. smell. I I always say yeah. I, I know there's candles out there, but I don't think anyone's done it yet. Of like. <laughs> smell when you get to the barn. I wish I could just have my whole house smell like that. That's (laughs) so true. You know, there are people, I have a story and I won't go into it, but it is a true story of a little girl that had an illness and they didn't know if she was going to make it. And her last wish was to be taken in a stretcher kind of a situation out to the barn so she could just be in that environment. Guess what? She lived. So it must work. I believe it. Yes, it does. It does something like you were saying to our nervous system. It's effortlessly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in the future, well, I mean, I know that you, you give and give and give and you are a very busy lady and it's a lot to ask, but is there a future, um, to help horses more? Is there ideas that you have? Um, you know, is there anything I can action that would (laughs) help horses, you know? Absolutely. Well, I started a program uh, with my little sister is a survivor of sexual assault and talk therapy, traditional talk therapy wasn't 
necessarily helping her. And when I started working with equine therapy and my rescue horse, I realized how effortlessly it helped my anxiety without even having to talk about my anxiety attacks or my panic attacks with just like we were just saying, just being with the horses. And so I introduced her to equine therapy and she fell madly in love with a horse named Chief and had a pretty incredible life-changing experience. And so she and I started a program called She Heard Power for assault survivors and equine therapy. And we had an amazing program and a beautiful, amazing nonprofit uh, that we were umbrellaing under for that work. But then uh, people moved away and we lost our location. And my little sister ended up going to get her master's and now she's a full-on therapist. So it's incredible. But we look to someday continue the work um, and just I'm I'm an advocate for other organizations. It would be cool to have another program someday. But really, all I'm advocating for is just the healing power forces. I know you guys have amazing healing programs as part of uh, your work, which I am so happy to sing to the rooftops that people support and check out. And um, because it works with veterans, I've seen it work with obviously firsthand with sexual assault survivors, but uh, children with autism. My husband does a lot of volunteering with, with children with autism and equine therapy these days. And I just believe in all of it. And I'd love to have my hand in helping as much as I can in that way. And yeah, hopefully someday doing it again. Like so with, you're gonna put with young women. Yes, with young women. I think that's amazing too, because there there are some programs out there, but you know, it gets very regional. And so there's room yeah. for lots of programs. Uh, people can't always travel. We found that with our veterans program, Horses and Healing, is you know, okay, it's great on the central coast, but what about all those guys in Arizona and know, Pennsylvania? And right. There's a lot yeah. out there. And I honestly think there's enough horses out there too. So <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we've got to, we've got to um, divide and conquer, multiply all those things too with people who really keep people safe and know what they're doing. Absolutely. Come take classes here, you know, get certified and, and you'll, you'll be able to keep people safe, but you got to have a heart for this thing too. You, you know, it's just not a job. It is something that you, you, I know you, Beth, believe in deeply. And I honestly think it's it's great for horses uh, as a vocation, you know, for them to do something. They're, they're young and healthy, and let's let's put them to work healing people. <laughs> be Absolutely, nice. because when we, you know, when we serve and heal others, it, it, as humans, it heals us. So I can imagine for the horses, there has to be the same element of healing, or I believe that there yes. has to be the same element of healing for them as well. And I think so. uh, knowing the impact they're making, you can see it. I mean, yeah. yeah, my sister still keeps a photo of Chief, that horse, and I'll just never forget, you know, she was crying and they had had her draw a circle around herself because she was very scared of him. He's a very, very big uh, paint horse. And they were like, until you're ready to invite him in, don't invite him in. And he just stood with his his hooves on the circle she created for herself until she invited him in. And as soon as she invited him in, the entire equine therapy group was just bawling because I would tell he just was way, I know I want, I cry. I cry every time I think about it. And you could just tell, he said, Oh, thank you. I'm going to heal, you know, and, and you know, he's, he's with her always, even though obviously we don't own him or live with him, but just that experience alone. And that was one time. So I do believe it can happen in a one day workshop at, Monty Roberts or at 
you know, wherever people offer these workshops with horses. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Thanks for sharing that. And I know you're in a new show now called The Neighborhood. So give us a, where do we find you? Where can we watch you? Yes. So I'm on a show also on CBS, like Two Broke Girls was, um, called The Neighborhood. It's Mondays at 8 p.m. on CBS or it's on Paramount Plus or now it's actually syndicated. We're going into our sixth season. Yes. So you can watch it, I think, on like um, local, your local um, stations and some cable stations. I think MTV, BET, some of those stations. So check it out. The Neighborhood. Great. Great. Thank you for that. And you're going to have a horse on it soon? Ever? I know. I've been trying. I've been telling (laughs) the writers because it was such an iconic part of Two Broke Girls. So um, I'm playing a much different character. So we'd have to figure out how to how to make it not seem too much. But I think hopefully this year I've been I I literally say it all the time. Can we please get a mini horse or a horse? Oh, I have one. You can use Poppy anytime. I can use. Oh yeah, Poppy. Oh my gosh, I know that would be my. She's probably (gasps) not not real looking enough. She's so oh no, I want her. I know we should have a visit. We should have the cast. I would love her. A lot of the people on my show have never been around horses, but are really interested in it. And so Sarah actually was like, "You should have your cast come do a workshop at Monty." Oh, how Without it, uh, yeah, flag is up because it would be amazing and it'd be so much fun for them too. To yeah, anybody who's intimidated cannot be intimidated by Poppy. You cannot. Exactly. <laughs> yes. She's so tiny. But maybe there'll be some brave ones, too, and they'll want to work I with I know. Them. And shy boy is still there, which shy is boys. so incredible for me to meet. Yeah, people got to come visit him now. He's 30, and he's a Mustang off the BLM Tonopah, Nevada I mean, plane. So, yeah. hurry, hurry. Yeah, as we speak, yeah. he is doing great. Yes. So come see him. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Beth Bears, for being on Thank you, Radio. Oh my gosh, what an honor. I'm so honored. This is the best bucket list. I get to be on Horsemanship Radio. Next stop, the Oscars. Yes. I, I put your <laughs> I vote. You're in. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, Beth. Debbie. A must-see lesson series in the MontyRobertsUniversity.com is about a skilled young trainer who works with LASS, an OTTB in the round pen, that's an off-the-track thoroughbred, to assess her for potential for retraining and adoption. The first step Monty uses in this process is join-up. Join-up establishes trust through communication and allows us to observe the horse's level of soundness, sensitivity, and athleticism. It'd be wonderful if there was a way to briefly describe Bonnie's work and how the concepts affect the horses. Like so many things in life, it's far more complicated than that. The concepts are linked to body language, which is understood by the horse and found to be without negative consequence. The flight animal needs to be safe. Therefore, the human needs to deeply study the body language used during the process of training. The horse needs to feel a zone of comfort and acceptance from the human so as to find enjoyment in completing the actions requested by the human. Go to MontyRobertsUniversity.com and use the promo code DAYPASS to check it out. That's MontyRobertsUniversity.com. Adam Black of Adam Black Horsemanship was introduced to horses as a child by his grandpa, Dale Williams. His first horse was a 17-hand-high Bay Belgian cross mare out of a slaughter pen. Adam took top 10 finish of the 2015 Ohio Equine Affair, and after that, he promptly went to college to become a veterinary technician. 
When he ended up winning the Ohio's dirt road to the horse, Adam was hooked on riding, though. He became a trainer. Well, welcome back, Adam Black. I'm so happy to have you back. You've been on before with this Appalachian trainer face-off. Um, how is it happening for you this year, this ATFO? Uh, yeah, so this will be my, I believe, seventh year for the wow. Appalachian trainer face-off. Uh, so super excited about that. Um, I've, I've been involved with it since the beginning. Um, so it's very awesome to see it grow from just a small little, I think there were seven competitors in the beginning. Up Now, I think, I don't know, they've had upwards of 60 people in it. So um, it's super great. It's a great mission for the horses. Um, great mission for the uh, rescue and helps the trainers, helps the horses. Everybody comes out winners um, at the end of it. So I, I think it's a great platform to kind of promote yourself as a trainer and to help these horses get home. So all in all, I just I just love it. Yeah, you've been in there at the beginning of it, really the formation of it. And we were talking about how successful it has become and become actually a model for other, hopefully, you kind of wanted to be a, a mentor to these other, uh, well, I guess we call them adoption centers or sanctuaries or other people that are trying to help rescue these horses. In that area, you do have what I truly believe is is more of a rescue situation. Sometimes we have these adoption centers who take, let's say, off the track thoroughbreds, and they're they don't look like rescues really. They sure, <laughs> they yeah. they're healthy and big and strong. But you guys do have some challenges with them. Is there some I don't know minimum health standards before they jump in there with the the, the challenges before a, a trainer gets to working with them? Yeah, I mean they're all vet checked, so they're all cleared by a vet to um, actually say if they're able to do this competition. The ages they keep them kind of in a variety of anywhere between three and 15. So it does, it does allow a lot of, you know, horses to be involved. Um, but as long as they, um, pass a vet check as well as they can, you know, um, as far as just physically watching them move and things like that, of course, things may pop up, but, um, they definitely give like every horse a chance to go through this Appalachian trainer face off to, to hopefully, you know, bring out the best in every horse. You know, some might not be the best candidate for cantering all day, but you know, they could do like trail riding or something. So they're just trying to like give all these horses a fair chance. Um, you know, horses that maybe somebody has given up to given up on at some point in their life for, for whatever reason, behavioral reason, physical limitation or something like that. So, um, and, and that's the biggest thing I've noticed with the heart of Phoenix is, you know, they're going to put the effort into helping these horses, whatever, whatever it's going to take. Yeah, this is where we should mention Tenia and Susanna. And in earlier episodes, we we've had the heart of Phoenix management on, you know, some of those really principal foundational people, but you're definitely one of them too, because you really took it to the trainer level in a very creative way, which um, created the face-off and you won the first one. We've mentioned that mm -hmm. before in interviews and you even judged it at some points. What are you doing this year? So I'm back as a competitor um, and I have been for the last uh, four years or so. And that's where I really like that. Not as far as far as the competition side of it, but taking a horse that has zero training or even zero handling or never even been touched before and just, and devoting a hundred plus days to this horse and hope that it will land somewhere or, you know, just prepare it enough for the next step for somebody to take it a little bit further than what I can, I can do in just a hundred days. Cause that's, that's a drop of, uh, 
uh, in the bucket of, of the yeah. education of the horse, you know, uh, it's right. very, very minimal, but, um, you know, to get these horses kind of jump started and head in the right direction, that's, that's kind of the cool part. And then, you know, the actual competition is just kind of icing on the cake. If you can yeah. do well enough, you know, to, to do well in that, but ultimately it's, you know, for the benefit of the horses is why I keep coming back every year for it. That's nice. And you've got so many breeds represented and we've talked about that before too, which is really cool. But tell me where, I know that you spent time out here now, you've taken some months to come out to California, train under dad's concepts, Monty Roberts' concepts. Tell me how that factors into some of your training with your horse. Yeah. So, so every year I try to, um, I guess maybe not try to, I usually end up with a very feral horse for the competition. You know, some of them have had maybe a halter place on them that were in a shoot or something like that. But uh, beyond that, that's about the, the most handling they've gotten. So just from going out to flag up flag is up farm and watching Monty work with, you know, the, the bucking horses and the, and the Mustangs that they have Mm -hmm. there really has helped me bring back to Ohio the same concepts to use on these feral mine horses um, as far as, you know, they're, they're, they're not as Mustangy as the true Mustangs, but there is a multi-generational feral. So none of, a lot of them have never seen what a person is or anything like that. Um, So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, a horse is a horse and, you know, we can communicate with them the same as, as every other horse. So it is real nice to come back with a few more tools in my pocket to kind of maybe make my process a little easier to kind of deal with these ultra feral horses. And, uh, maybe if I've gotten stuck before now I've got something else to kind of maybe try a different approach to it, um, mm-hmm. to kind of help, help with all that. So it's been, it's been super nice to kind of like now come back here and actually put it to my own work. And, uh, it's been pretty cool to watch. I'm glad. I'm glad. And I love that you said a horse is a horse. Um, people are starting to get onto that, but you know, so, so much in the equestrian world has been about, well, you know, this is a Oldenburg. And so it, <laughs> and, and they do put limits on horses. I, I realize there's limitations by physicality and, uh, you know, breeding and all that, but, but a horse is a horse. So what does that mean to you in training? What what are some of the things that you use in the feral situation? Besides, like, say, do you, I don't know if you use a system of shoots or to get those first touches on. Or does it mean, like, I think we talked about in the last interview that you learned about into pressure. What else have you taken forward? So here at my place, I don't have yet the kind of the system that um, you guys have out in uh, California uh, at the at the farm there. So I just have a 12 by 12 stall. And it's a lot of the same concepts, but it's more like the pressure release. Obviously, we don't have the physical uh, restraints of the chute to kind of get those first touches. So it takes a little longer. It kind of has to do a little bit of a dance for a minute to try to just get them comfortable with their presence. And then you just, I just kind of inch a little closer until I can kind of approach and get maybe that first rub on the shoulder or somewhere like that, just quick and easy and out and then just keep building on that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that's the easiest, that's the safest for me, safest for the horse takes a little bit more skill of actually reading the horse and knowing like, well, that might be a little too much. You might mm-hmm. get this and we don't have the, restraints of something to really keep us safe or the horse safe. So it's a little bit of that dance for a little while, 
but really, you know, the same kind of concept um, can be applied in any situation. You know, I've had to kind of approach these horses and maybe a round pen where you don't have a corner or a wall or safety for them to kind of feel comfortable. And that takes a little bit longer. And then that's where I've kind of used a little bit of the join up process in the beginning to kind of get that, okay, this, this creature, meaning me is not a threat. So now I can maybe hang out a little closer for a little longer and then work on it that way. Mm. So it's, it's, again, the concepts are there, just kind of how you apply them that I feel like you can, you can kind of get the job done. Yeah. There's that pressure and release, which a lot of people understand pressure and release. They don't, don't have the timing perfectly until they, you know, or become really professional at it. Like you are professional trainer, um, but continuing on in that conversation too, it reminded me that sometimes people will see a little snapshot of photo of a horse in a shoot and think, oh, that's really unfair. What do you say to those people about what's going on there? So, I mean, I guess when I first kind of saw that, I thought, oh, that's kind of pretty restrictive as far mm-hmm. as, you know, the horse really has no say. But for the short period of time that they kind of get that little bit of stress or worry that you kind of get in and get out. If you've got that good timing, that can build that confidence in that horse so much faster than kind of the constant, you know, pressure that we're trying to do when the horse can get away a little bit more. So at first I was kind of like, Oh, that's kind of forcing, but really you get that first, you know, two, three, four touches in and rubbing. And then they start to say, okay, I'm still alive. Nothing bad happened. (laughs) And then you can progress so much faster. And it really does keep the horse safe. It keeps us in a safe place, um, you know, and then then you can progress so much faster because, you know, we're out there in California. I mean, it was two or three days and we didn't need the shoots anymore. And yeah. the horses, you know, we could halter and we could walk around and, and continue on that. So, right. so yeah, I think it's a, in the right hands is a great concept for somebody to pick up on and uh, a good design for somebody to work with. Yeah, it's the ideal. I I think it, at least state of the art. We we can always improve, but it has been a godsend, frankly, for these untouched horses. And we we have people that come in, certified instructors that come in from other parts of the world, just to work with the wild ones because, um, like we Manjeev from India. They don't have feral horses. They're born in a stall or stable, and they they literally always see people and trust people. So they, they want they, these people, students, crave this ability to work in the pure equus setting where the, they get to express themselves purely. Um, have we talked about breathing them into the shoots? Have we talked about that before? Uh, I don't, I can't remember if we, we have, but, um, definitely have done that quite a bit when I was out there in California. What does that look like? Yeah. What does that look like? So, I mean, they can, they can kind of pick up on our, our breathing. Um, and if, if we watch horses, how they breathe and exhale and hold air and when they're, when they're intense and then they, you know, give a big sigh and they lick and chew, if we can, can kind of start to mimic that, we can kind of make that experience much better for them. You know, as far as we'll breathe kind of super, super rapid and super quick outside of the chute. And when they go in, then we can release that air and kind of give them that that uh, signal of that's a safe place. That's where you kind of want to be. That's where the release of pressure. That's where, you know, you can take a break and start to process things. 
And then as they come out, you you know, just do the reverse, kind of make that a little bit more uncomfortable out there and then uh, a little more comfortable in where you want them. And it, it's, it's kind of wild how fast they pick up on that, you know, like four or five rotations in there and the horses are just now then starting to seek that out. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and that concept I've used elsewhere too, as far as, you know, in a round pin or where a horse is kind of doesn't want to be because there's some other stimulus out there. You can kind of start to uh, talk to them and say that, that you may be uncomfortable in there, but that is a safe place to be. So. Yeah. 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 I think that's all they're seeking is a safe place. And sure. uh, their flight mechanism says away, <laughs> away from you. Yeah. But once they find a safe place, or that we, or they trust us, they believe us that we are a safe place, or our hands are going to be okay when we go in there. Um, that's they they found it, Eureka! They found it, right. and Absolutely. and they're so smart. These are survivors. Oftentimes, either BLM, Bureau of Land Management, adopted Mustangs. That is exactly. And people say, how does it go so fast that way? And it's so obvious that that's what they're seeking is is safety and. They've never seen people, so how are they supposed right. to interpret us? <laughs> you know, right? right? Exactly. We're we're carnivores. Right. They know that. Sure. So. Yeah. And their yeah. eyes. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. you were you, if you were not a very smart horse, you did not survive out there. So yeah. you know, They're over the years, they have figured out how to get a little smarter both ways. You know, they can outwit us, but you know, we can also, if we're uh, paying attention, we can communicate pretty fast to them. Right. Exactly. Well, you're very good. Your your metabolic is very low. You're very good with horses and you keep your adrenaline down and very kind and um, make gentle sounds to them. So, hey, no wonder they love you, Adam Black. <laughs> I, you know, it makes good sense to me. Well, good luck to you. So tell us a little bit about your horse that's in this year. Yeah. So this year he's uh, an 11-year-old, what they call an Appalachian Brumby, which is kind of a multi-generational mind horse. 10 years ago or so, these horses were turned out, kind of reproducing, kind of feral. Some come from domestic stock that were turned out. Um, so he's 11 years old. He's kind of like a champagne Palomino. He's got a nice, mm-hmm. like, kind of shimmer coat to him. He's kind of kind of wild in that, that part. Oh. But he's probably the most feral that I've had to deal with in a while, at least for this competition. And the one that's had the most, I guess, maybe concern and aggression towards people like oh. he's more of a i will stay on my ground and fight um versus the flight i need to get out of here so he's kind of been a little bit uh more of a challenge for me as far as uh getting along with him and trying to figure out what works with him what doesn't work how much pressure to put and uh yeah. you know the timing's got to be super, super accurate on him because i think he could take advantage of that fairly quickly but we're kind of over that hump now um, you know, we got him to where he's leading around. I've got a saddle on him, doing some long lining, uh, desensitizing. Um, so he, he's starting starting to turn the page and realizing that, you know, we're okay. He may be not as convinced that we're 100% okay, but we're <laughs> we're starting to get to, you know, chipping away at him. But, uh, that, that, I have a question about that, too, and sure. that is such an interesting and probably unique to the horse and you, but... When you have a horse that could go aggressive a little bit, just because it's almost like, hey, I've had too much human today. I just don't want to see you. Um, right? They just, they sure. get a little, it's not you personally, but they put humans in the basket. So there you go. Right. But uh, when do you, when do you know to push through that a little bit and get more time with them? Or when do you know to, you know what, today is not the day? Sure. Uh, 
I try to think of like, let's not discipline the bad, but encourage the good. Mm-hmm. So if he, he kind of comes out to be, I can tell he's a little bit more standoffish and a little bit more, you know, maybe wants to pick a fight for that day in some capacity, then I won't kind of keep pushing that. I'll just kind of start rewarding more of the behavior that I, I want. It could be totally different from what I was expecting. You know, it could just be encourage him just to stop and look at me rather than, you know, wanting to turn his butt towards me or something like that. But it's a very, it's a very fine line that you kind of tiptoe back and forth. And there'll be times that I'll just do a short 10 minute session and be like, okay, you know, I may have lost the war today, but maybe I won the battle and I'll revisit again and later in the day and just give him a little mental break to say, okay, you know, uh, let him kind of reset and me reset, rethink and, you know, go do something else and come back to that. Um, and a lot of times that will kind of help. I feel like help them as well, rather than kind of keep poking the thorn that might be, you know, you might, you might enter something that you don't want to uh, have to deal with. So let's not, let's not get to that point, but you know, and that's just kind of been years of experience and working with some of these horses and knowing like, okay, I, I pushed the boundary too much and now it's going to be a little harder just kind of, you know, make amends and, 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 and go back. So I try not to get to that point and giving as many breaks and, and letting them realize like, Hey, we're not, we're not as bad as what they think they are. They <laughs> are. It's, it's a better thing to do. That's cool. Okay. That's yeah. good. Well, we've got some, some pretty feral ones here right now. So we'll take your, your tips to heart and use it with these little, we have some Gruya fillies from, mountaintop and we've got some more coming in we've got a gentling wild horse course coming up uh, june 5 through 9 we're really excited to see what they have in store for us because it's a couple of different places that we're sourcing them from but anyway and uh, good luck to you and um, you're amazing and whoever gets your horse is going to be like so fortunate and i hope that they're as kind and gentle and as progressive as you are with all your talents and abilities. So we'll be rooting for you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And where do people find out about the face-off? So you can go onto Facebook, uh, Appalachian Trainer Face-Off, um, or the Heart of Phoenix Equine Rescue. Either one will kind of take you to where you need to see. And then you can follow all the other trainers. I think there's uh, roughly 15 to 20 trainers this year. And they can follow uh, with the hashtag hashtag HOP team, whatever the horse's name is, and they can follow the whole summer as far as what everybody's doing with their horses and the progress of all that. So I encourage everybody to go check it out. Okay. Heart of Phoenix, Adam Black, Adam Black Horsemanship. Go find them on all the social medias and uh, especially the websites where you'll learn a ton because Heart of Phoenix is an education system there. Susanna and Tinia and the whole crew are great educators. And obviously, they've got Adam Black on the team. So, um, you know, he's he's gone extraordinary on the training side. So it's really fun. Thanks for joining us today, Adam, on Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for having me. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than The magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, I have a horse that is one-sided. He is perfectly fine to handle on one side, but I can do nothing with him on the other. What do I do? Monty's answer. 
This one-sidedness can result from either of two opposite causes. It could be that the horse has been handled virtually entirely on the good side, ignoring the opposite side, or it could be that the horse has been abused on the bad side. No matter which is the case, the process to correct it is virtually the same. I suggest that you do use join-up. I recommend three or four sessions on consecutive days or until your horse is relaxed, following you, and perfectly comfortable being with you. Having accomplished a good join-up or even two, I would add to that two or three sessions with the dually halter. I would then begin to work on the bad side with an artificial arm. The artificial arm will allow you to work effectively with your adrenaline down. Gradually gain the trust of your horse and this problem will go away. I make an artificial arm often using a hard wood cane with the figure seven variety. That means that there is almost no crook in the handle. I wrap it in a sponge and tape the sponge in place. And with the whole cane covered in sponge, a glove can be placed over the figure seven. You can stuff the glove with bits of cloth to fill it out and make it hand-like. The top of the seven goes in the thumb, making the finger soft and the thumb stiff. Having taped the glove in place, I recommend that one put a sleeve from an old sweatshirt or some such piece of clothing over the handle of the cane. Most canes are a bit short, so I extend them by tightly wiring on a couple of feet of discarded wooden rake handle. This instrument will enable you to keep out of the danger zone while working to rub, scratch, or even lift a hind leg using the figure seven cane, allowing you to relax in the certain knowledge that you are safe. Once the horse allows the artificial arm to rub him all over on the bad side, then the handler can add to the degree of difficulty. A tiny little plastic bag will seem like a lethal weapon to a horse such as you have described. A good job of working with this small plastic bag will soon set up your horse so that you can have half a dozen big plastic bags on the artificial arm and rub him generously with them. All the time this work is being done, a good horse person will be thinking of encouraging the horse to understand that this side of his body can be touched without force or pain. If his fear is simply inherent and the re not the result of harsh treatment, the system I have outlined here will be just as effective. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in June. Here we have, starting tomorrow as we speak, June 16th or 18th is the Movement 2023. Then in July, we have the 8th of July, that's the Mountain Trail Play Day. And then the 10th through the 14th is the Monty's Special Training, second one this year. And then on July 15th, we have Horsemanship 101. That's the one with Beth Bears and, and uh, we had a whole full class of people that came to it's a great girlfriends weekend so we had sarah jesse all, all kinds of things and then uh july 31 through august 4 we have the gentling wild horse course there's one going on right now as we speak this will be another one with a whole nother set of horses and that's five days long and then august 5th we have the mountain trail play day and then august 7th through 19th most of august is the introductory course of horsemanship and that's where you start with the first steps to monty's methods then you go into join up then you go into long lining and then the last part is the preparation for the intro exams it ends on the 19th so join us there and as if that wasn't enough 
if you if you couldn't keep, put that all to memory, which I certainly can't, you can find all of that and more at MontyRoberts.com. Is there a button specifically for calendar on MontyRoberts.com? Where's the best place to go to get that? The best place to go is it says Learn. Let's see, Learning Center, and the drop down is Monty Roberts Courses, Courses Calendar. So there you are in ah, calendar, Certified Instructors, International Courses, Becoming an Instructor. Everything's under the Learning Center for that. The Learning Center. So when you go to MontyRoberts.com. Uh, hover over or click on the learning center and the calendar will be on there. And then it's subdivided into different types of calendars. Mm-hmm. Or you can call a person and talk to a real live human being at MontyRoberts.com uh, or at uh, Flag is Up Farms. It, the phone number there is 805-688-6288. Or you go to MontyRoberts.com and the phone number is there. It's easy. They try to keep it straightforward to Monty Roberts. To we're simple people. No, I wouldn't go quite that far. But well, you do try to keep it straightforward. We do. Yes. We don't, do. Not, don't overcomplicate it when you don't need to. Please keep it simple, silly. There you go. And for details about today's show, you can find that at horsemanshipradio.com and also at montyroberts.com. The podcasts are all there. So what you can do is you go to your computer and you put on your favorites or a shortcut to montyroberts.com because that way you can find the Learning Center, the university, the calendar, the podcast, all there, horsemanshipradio.com or moneyroberts.com for information about the topics and guests. We love your feedback. Mm-hmm. Great place to give that to us is on social media. On Facebook, it's Monty Roberts, the one with the little blue check mark. On Twitter and Instagram, it's Monty underscore Roberts. That's it. And many thanks to our sponsors. Hey, Jay Michelson from Hands On Gloves. Thank you, thank you for all of you that are coming to the movement. We're getting a pair of gloves, hands-on gloves from Jay Michelson. And he's sending bags over so we can put yours in a bag. And I am so happy that we have very streamlined horses around here from all our hands-on gloves. They're looking, they're shedding out and looking beautiful. So be sure to visit the other great shows too on Horse Radio Network. And that's at horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 